بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيد المرسلين وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد These are some advices that remember, remind us about the consciousness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and how to develop that consciousness. These are certain prescriptions by Imam al-Muhasibi that would be very useful and potent uh, to create an awareness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants from us in, uh, from us in this life is our playing the role that he created us for we understand that from a number of narrations allah says wama khalaqtul jinna wal insa illa liya'budun allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says wama khalaqtul jinna wal insa illa liya'budun i only created the jinn and the human beings to worship me so that's one verse then allah subhanahu wa ta'ala addresses us as ibad ya ibadi o my servants so Allah says, Ya ibadi, O my servants. A servant means somebody who has to submit, who has to do the bidding of the master. But above all, doesn't the servant always recognize the master and is attentive to the master? Generally, when it's an employment relationship, it's kind of both entities consider themselves to be autonomous in a sense. Though one is working for the other, they're not considered slaves for the other. So they have rights. They have certain rights. When it's a slave-master relationship, which is, sounds old-fashioned because we don't deal with those anymore, though the classical world, that's what they had. And they still have that in some places, I would assume. But in a slave relationship, the slave is only going to have as much autonomy or respect as much as the master gives them. Otherwise, they are a non-entity in a sense. I'm not, I'm not, this is not something I'm prescribing or encouraging I'm just saying this is the status quo in a slave master relationship a slave is owned by the master the slave then is generally always attentive in fact a good employee is always going to be attentive so that they can work together as a team and they can do what is in the best interest for, of everybody when we're the slaves of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he's the only master that anybody could be a proper slave of. And nobody should have any issue and qualms about being his slave. Because Allah says that in the ladina yastakbiruna an ibadati that those who think themselves too great and too arrogant to do my worship. They're too aloof, they, they think they're too much, they don't need to worship Allah. Because in worship you need humility. You're offering something to Allah out of respect and reverence, knowing He's the Master. That's what worship is all about. So when we pray, we understand we're trying to offer something to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. <clears throat> the reason we pray is because we are generally we generally become attached to the dunya in our dunyawi things. So what Allah wants is he wants us to go back and reset ourselves in every prayer. So He obligates us to do this. If it was an encouragement and just an optional act, 
then we would be really far from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So it's kind of really strange that Allah obligates us to remain connected with Him because He knows it's harmful for us to go away from that. He knows it's harmful for us. <clears throat> he knows it's harmful for us to forget Him because it's harmful to us. So these are some of the advices that Imam Al-Muhasibi gives that will help the attention to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah says, the, th the third verse I wanted to quote here was, الَّذِينَ يَذْكُرُونَ اللَّهَ قِيَامًا وَقُعُودًا وَعَلَىٰ جُنُوبِهِمْ Those people who remember Allah standing, sitting and on their sides. Now that's talking about dhikr, remembering Allah. But it's talking about people standing up and doing dhikr or remembering Allah, you know, if you take the meaning of dhikr, right? Because as soon as we say dhikr, what comes into your mind? A formal kind of sitting where you remember Allah, like a ritual. That's what comes into our mind for dhikr. But dhikr is much greater than that. The formal sittings for dhikr, like what we do, they're only to create a constant state of dhikr. Because in order for something to become natural, you have to practice it in regimen, you know, in an organized fashion. That's how then eventually the awareness of something will come in. When you have done enough training and you've sat and done it enough or stood and done it enough in a particular way, whatever that sport may be or cooking or whatever it may be, once you've done it a few times, then it'll come naturally. So these are just all practice. Salat is the same thing. Establish the prayer for my remembrance. That's what Allah says. So what does it mean by those who stand and sit and on their side when they remember Allah? Allah is praising them. In our concept of dhikr as a formal sitting setup, organized dhikr, that doesn't seem right then. So that's telling you who are the real servants of Allah who've eventually got to that stage where even when they're standing, walking around essentially, even when they're sitting and when they're lying down on their sides. Now you mentioned sides and not the back. The reason for that is it's sunnah to sleep on your side. So it's encouraging that. So to lie down on the side, remembering Allah. The only time that all of this can become possible where you are remembering Allah despite the fact that you are working, you know, you're, you're preparing a spreadsheet at work, right? The person who remembers Allah at this time, the way he's going to probably, it could be many different ways of how mind is connected to Allah, but the way he's going to think about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, I'm starting my job, I've gone to work in the morning, and the reason I'm working is because I need to earn a living because Allah has made me responsible for my dependence. He's just connected himself, he's plugged him, himself in while he started a mundane act of work. So it's when you start anything, that's why you see so many du'as of the Prophet for nearly every activity. And essentially what the Prophet, uh, the, the Prophet is doing, Allah's Messenger is doing, he's just teaching us how to remember Allah throughout the day. That if you want to remember Allah throughout the day, these, this is the way I do it. Before I start eating, I'm going to say Bismillah wa Barakatillah. In the name of Allah, with the blessing of Allah. So I've remembered Allah as soon as I'm starting to eat. That this is the blessing of Allah. 
suddenly I will have more respect for the food. I'll stop complaining. When I think it's a blessing of Allah, I'll stop complaining as much. If I've forgotten in between, then I'll say the dua, Bismillahi, awwalahu wa akhirahu. Oh, it should, have, it should have been Bismillah in the name of Allah in the beginning and at the end. So can you see how Allah is being brought into the picture? The consciousness, attentiveness to Allah. That's what Allah wants from us, attentiveness to Him. That we just remember Him. Because that would make people better human beings. That would raise your EQ. See, because today now they've gone beyond the IQ. It's not about who is very intellectual only. Right? They're only good for certain jobs. They're good in the laboratory. They're good in the offices. That's it. But on a social level, as a community, in a social setting, because human beings are social beings, IQs don't help, do they? You have a lot of people with a good IQ, but in fact, they're probably the most challenged in terms of social setting sometimes. Because they're just too focused sometimes. So now the modern world, in fact, that's what they want to lay out to the schools these days. The whole EQ concept, which is emotional quotient. It's more about the emotions. As opposed to the intellect only. Not to say intellect doesn't help, but it's more about the emotion, the akhlaq, the character. It's all about character building now. This is where we're going, in, in, even in the modern world, because realize that that's what we need because we've got too many problems in the world. We need to start understanding each other. And when you have that sympathy, that when, when you have that understanding of others, care and empathy for others, then the apathy that comes about just purely behind uh, selfish intellectual pursuit sometimes, and the goals of the corporate world of today, where we're just trying to get one over the other, just trying to make the most money for ourselves without any care for anybody else, just suck the money upwards so that the whole money flow goes upwards, which is, I mean, a reality today. This is what Islam's been talking about. This is what our scholars have been going, uh, speaking about all this time. They just didn't give it this name of, you know, EQs and uh, all of these other fancy terms that um, seem to, you know, create a lot of awe today. But that's essentially what it is. Now look at this. Just look at these, these two sentences here, right? After all this, just look at these two sentences and see how well it fits in. Imam Muhasibi says, وَعْمَلْ عَمَلَ رَجُلٍ يَعْلَمُ أَنَّهُ مُجَازًا بِالْإِحْسَانِ مَأْخُوذٌ بِالْإِجْرَانِ Do your deeds, do your action, practice, go about your daily life in the deeds that you do. Like the man, like the person who knows he's going to be rewarded for any good he does. That should be your that, that should be your motivation. That should be your state. Uh, that, that should be your state. That should be your focus and sentiment. That I am going around and doing my daily work, whatever it is, whether that be opening the door for somebody, whether that be carrying some groceries for someone, right, shopping for someone, whether that be helping somebody, whether that be just doing my job. If I can think that I am going to do this act like the person, who knows, who's got the conviction that he's going to be rewarded for his good deeds. And he's going to be accountable for his, any crime he commits, any violation, ijram, any infraction, any jurm. Jurm is a, is a crime. 
Now imagine if we're going around with that consciousness. Wouldn't we be better beings? Wouldn't we be better humans? Wouldn't we have the insan with the proper insaniya? And this is exactly what he's teach, teaching. Along with that he says, so, so basically the idea is that whenever we're doing anything, we are hoping for reward. Because the Prophet ﷺ said that one of the signs of a believer is إِذَا سَرَّتْكَ حَسَنَتُكَ وَإِذَا سَاءَتْكَ سَيِّئَتُكَ فَأَنْتَ مُؤْمِنٌ If your good deeds please you, satisfy you, make you happy. Right? Now how would a good deed make you happy? If you're doing it for the right reason. Not just by accident, it happened to be a good deed. I was going that way anyway, so it's a good deed. No, you're doing it for a reason. Psychologically, there's a lot of fulfillment in that. People who help others are very satisfied. They're very happy people, whether they've got belief or not. But generally, it's when you've got belief, you know, because people are either going to be very gratuitous to others and very, um, pe people are going to be very generous to others, either by nature, and if you don't have it by nature, then it's going to be because of, your, because of some motivation. Some people are just naturally very open-hearted. Some people are naturally just very generous. They're not tight. They don't care about things as much. And it's not because of religion that it's that. It's just the nature that Allah creates different people on. There will be people here who will be more generous than others. Meaning, if I was to do a fundraiser now, which I'm not here to do, right? There will be some of you who will have less than another, right? But would be more willing and, okay, no problem. Here you go. And there'll be some of us, myself included, who'll have to think 10 times, do a lot of calculations, have to wait to be convinced. These are just challenges. Everybody's different. Now, while I may be very challenged in terms of generosity, I may have another quality. You understand? I may have, Allah may have given me something else. All this combination of qualities or blameworthy traits, it's a mixture. Some people are very generous, but they're very cowardly. Right? Some people are very brave, but may, may not be as generous. The, our whole focus is to be connected to Allah and moderate all of these things for His sake. So, do the deeds of the one who knows that he's going to be rewarded for his good deeds. So, to be connected to Allah is not just about dhikr, dhikr, dhikr in some formal setting but it's to take that dhikr on the street and in our behavior and that dhikr softens the heart out creates empathy and if it doesn't then it's not proper dhikr because that's what it's all for a person what you might be thinking i'm just making this up but the reason of it is quite simple when you do a dhikr of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala you begin to love allah more and you begin to do everything that Allah wants us to do. And one of the biggest things is that Allah wants us to rely on Him. Allah wants us to be thankful for Him. Thankful. Allah wants us to be patient. All of these things become easy if you do the dhikr of Allah. Because when you do dhikr, what you're doing is you are forcing yourself to remember Allah. You are forcing yourself to cook a few dishes that you want to get become very good at. You're forcing yourself to do a bit of training for taekwondo or whatever it is and then it becomes second nature that's what that's the whole point of it to 
get ourselves to be aware of Allah in every aspect. And then, you, of course, you need knowledge to open up the doors of what is it that we, uh, what, what is it that uh, Allah wants from us. تَخَلَّقُوا بِأَخْلَاقِ اللَّهِ Take on the, the, the character of Allah, His generosity, His ability to forgive, His pardoning, His forbearance, His being uh, the one who is never going, to, uh, never going to oppress anybody. All of these characteristics. So slowly, slowly, it softens the heart out and allows it to be molded for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So then he says, <clears throat> do that kind of a deed of the person who you know, who knows is going to be rewarded for his deeds. For, his, for anything good he does. It doesn't say deeds, it says ihsan. Ihsan is a transitive thing that you do. It's something you do for others. To do anything beautifully and grace, gracefully. That's what ihsan is. And ma'khudun, who's going to be gripped and taken to task, accountable and reckoned with, for ijram, for committing a wrong, for doing a misdeed, for doing something bad. Wa'adim shukrak. And then be perpetual and always be thankful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Just think back. When was the last time you remember thanking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Whether just with your heart or with your tongue. Okay, let's put it this way. Who, who thanked Allah in the last day? Like, consciously. Right? Thanked Allah in the last day. Alhamdulillah. What does that mean? The way I remember doing it is that there was some food. And I was just like, thanks to Allah for this. That Allah has given us this. Simple that we, we got so much going on in our life. Allah gives us so much more than so many others that there's no reason not to do shukr. It's like we, we you know, we're not talking to people who are living um, in some war torn area that they may be challenged in terms of what do I do shukr for? They have to look hard. We, we are, mashallah, sitting in, we're just sitting in bounties. You got a car that drives very well. Every time you sit in there and mashallah you press the accelerator and it does your bidding, do shukr of Allah if that's what gives you a height. I mean, you should do shukr for, for means of conveyance anyway. If Allah has given you the tawfiq to study the deen, it's a shukr because so many other people are not studying. And if Allah has given us the tawfiq to remember Him, to dedicate time for Him, do shukr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If Allah has given us children, a family, safety, accomplishment, thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Adim, Adim shukrak. Adim comes from the word dawam. Dawam means forever, perpetually. Keep thanking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. See, nobody's going to thank Allah unless they know that we should thank Allah. That comes from knowledge. That comes from knowledge. That practically speaking, this is the way it is. Shukr, do shukr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then, waqsur min amalik. Take it easy on your big ambitions. Now, I want to clarify something here. When he says, um, limit your ambitions, confine your ambitions. It's not saying don't have ambitions. 
He's like, don't have ambitions. You need some ambition in the world. But he says, waqsur. Qasr means keep it confined, keep it restricted, keep it short. And the whole point of this is, you've got a life, maybe 30 years, 50 years, 70 years, whatever it is. The Prophet ﷺ said, my hasadu ummati bayna sitin wa sab'een. The reaping of my ummah. The reaping of my ummah is between 60 and 70. Which means, that's generally when their fruits will be reaped. That's when their production will end. That's their life ends. Prophet ﷺ passed away at the age of 63. Abu Bakr radiallahu passed away two years later at the age of 63. Uh, Uthman radiallahu uh, passed away about 10 years later after that at 63. And Ali radiallahu anhu passed away <coughs> about another 14, 15 years after that at 63. Uthman radiallahu lived to about 80 something. So you can have hopes within your life. But there are some hopes that you can have and you don't have to, you don't have to limit those hopes. There's only one way that you can have as many hopes as you want, the greatest hopes and desires and ambitions, as many as you want. This is talking about of this dunya. That is something purely of this world, then make sure you keep that constraint. If you don't keep that constrained, then it will overcome you. If your hopes go beyond what you can even achieve in your life, then your whole life will be filled with it. You have no time for your hereafter journey, which is the real journey. Now tell me, what do you think is an effective way to manage your hopes of this world? What do you think would be beneficial for us to think, okay, I better take it easy on these big ambitions I've got. I'm not saying don't have you need ambitions but in terms of managing those ambitions what would be very helpful what belief would make us manage our hopes better keep them within measure and reason belief in the hereafter the stronger the belief is in the hereafter that we believe we're going to go there when our mortality becomes evident and clear on us and we believe in it then this world will pale we're still gonna have to go through it because there's no way to the hereafter without this world if you don't come in this world you don't go to the hereafter right unless you're a creation of Allah that Allah will create purely for paradise which is the right the maidens of paradise or the wildanu mukhalladun, the children of paradise that would be servants. Now, I, I don't think that's what we want to be. I think we want to be autonomous individuals that want to be there to enjoy. For that, you have to go through this world. So, understanding that hereafter is going to come, believe me, is so powerful in managing our ambitions for this world. We would leave off arguments. We would leave off greed as much, right? And we would just really focus that yes, we want a good life, but we want for the future. So now, our hopes and ambitions and desires for this world will become constrained in terms of those purely dunyawi aspects. 
But if you have a dunyawi project, a worldly aspiration, for the sake of the hereafter, for the sake of the hereafter, then there's no limit to this. If somebody wants huge relief organizations, huge educational institutes, right, centers of education and tarbiyah and teaching and propagation, creating akhlaq and character, and he wants it beyond what he can do in this life, that's fine. Because it's for the sake of Allah. If it's for the sake of Allah. If a big institution for like if this education center that we're trying to set up here is just for name and fame and gain, dunyawi gain, then it's not for the akhirah. Even though it seems so. We have to understand that. It's dini in nature, it's religious in nature. Everything about it seems religious. But there's a core which has the spirit is not there. May Allah protect us from that. So having a, dun, having a deeny thing doesn't mean that it's for the deen in terms of the hereafter. It could be purely somebody's way of just getting a good name. A dunyawi achievement that he wants recognition for in this world. So this has to be really understood well. And a person, that's why the ulama said you must be suspicious of your motivations all the time. But can you see now how this refers, in terms of ambitions, refers to dunyawi ambitions? In terms of akhirat ambitions, well, you're going to go to the akhirah, so you want as big as possible. You want to leave behind a legacy like that. Now, look what he says afterwards. Wazuril qubura bihammik. Go and visit the graves with a proper presence of your heart and reflection. That's going to remind you of your mortality and the hereafter. That is then going to help you curb your ambitions and attraction to this dunya. That is what's going to remind us of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, Zuri al Qubura bihammik. Wajjul fil hashri bi qalbik. And go and do some jawla. Go, go and take some rounds in the hashr with your heart. That means just do reflection, your muraqabah, your meditation. What is it going to be like on the day of hashr, the day of gathering in the hereafter? It's going to be very powerful for a person to do that. Abu, uh, Abu Dharr radiallahu anhu, he relates, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa said to me, Zur al-Qubur, go and visit the graves. And... You will remember the Akhirah through that. Go and wash the deceased, help in their bathing process. Because he says that to go and deal with a body that is no longer with life has huge amount of lessons to be learned from it. You will be thinking about this, but you're touching a body. You are washing a body that was like you yesterday. It's no longer there anymore. The body is still there, but something very important is gone. وَصَلِّ عَلَى الْجَنَائِزِ لَعَلَّ ذَلِكَ يَحْزُنُكَ Pray on the funeral prayer. Pray on the dead. Maybe that will create the, the grief in your heart. 
that will create the sorrow and sadness in your heart. That helps to kind of just take us off our high horse. فَإِنَّ الْحَزِينَ فِي ظِلِّ اللَّهِ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ Because the one who is sad for the sake of Allah, uh, you know, they're, they're remorseful over their deeds and so on when they think about this, when they do this, they will be in the shade on the Day of Judgment. Imam Hakim relates this narration. And he says that it's a Sahih narration. It's mentioned in, uh, there's a, a great Tabi'i, uh, whose name was Rabi ibn Khaytham. Sorry, Rabi ibn Khuthaym. Rabi ibn Khuthaym. <clears throat> Rabi ibn Khaytham, Rabi ibn Khuthaym. Both names are there. He was a student of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu, the Sahabi. <clears throat> Once he went to visit Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu When he went to visit, when he used to go to visit Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu he used to say to him, Wallahi, if the Prophet would see you, he would love you. If the Prophet would see you, he would love you. Every time I see you, I remember the mukhbitin, those who submit for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's sake. Every time he would see him, he would remember the verse, Wabashir al mukhbitin. Khashi'een, those who have reverent fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Just by looking at Abdullah ibn Masood this would be his, this is what, uh, it would evoke him to say this, invoke him to say that. Now, Rabi ibn Khaytham was very similar to Abdullah ibn Masood He took that from his teacher. Once Rabi ibn Khaytham and Abdullah ibn Masood they went to the, what do you call it, the, the river's edge, the coast of the, the Tigris River, no, actually the Euphrates River, Euphrates River in, uh, in uh, Baghdad uh, or Kufa, one of those in, in Iraq. They went past the ironsmiths who had the fire going and they were beating on the metals to shape them into things. When they saw the fire of these uh, blacksmiths, and they saw the fire because it's raging. You need a very high intensity of fire there to get the metal to melt and uh, for you to be able to mold it. So he heard the, the screech, the sound of the fire. Immediately, Rabi ibn Khaytham began to read, إِذَا رَأَتْهُمْ مِنْ مَكَانٍ بَعِيدٍ سَمِعُوا لَهَا تَغَيُّذًا وَزَفِيرًا When they will see them from a distance, from a place of a distance, they will hear about the, the hellfire, the fire of hell. They will hear. So when he heard, it says, they will hear for it there, its roar, its, sh its shrieking right, of the fire. As soon as he read that verse, he fainted. He fell unconscious. Look at his connection. He sees that and he remembers the fire of the hereafter, remembers the verse of the Quran, of its intensity of the fire. He falls down and faints comes towards Salat al-Dhuhr time now. Salat al-Dhuhr time is entering. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu an calls on to him and says, Oh Rabbi, but he doesn't respond. So Abdullah goes and prays. Radiallahu an ibn Mas'ud, he goes and prays. He doesn't want to miss his prayer, so he goes and prays. When he comes back again, he calls him again, Ya Rabbi. Again, he doesn't respond to him. So then it's Asr time, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud goes and prays Asr. And he comes back. 
Again he says to him, Oh Rabi, but Rabi won't, won't, won't respond right now. So it's Maghrib time. So Abdullah goes and prays Maghrib. Then he comes back and says, Rabi, Rabi. He doesn't, he doesn't answer. He only became conscious when the coolness of the night hit him. It was only at night time that he, he came back to consciousness. Now this isn't going to happen to everybody, but it just gives us how some people can be so aware and connected to this. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us a connection to the hereafter. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us of those who raise up and become aware, more aware of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala than unaware and more attentive than inattentive. Because that's really the goal that if by the time of our death we can become more attentive to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala throughout our days and months, then that is an achievement. Because that's what Allah wants from us, that He wants aware people, human beings, ibad who are aware of Him. Those who remember Him standing up, sitting down and on their sides because they can't help it. They're just so aware of these things. May Allah grant us the tawfiq. Allahumma anta salam wa minka salam tabarakti adil jalali wal ikran. اللهم يا حي يا قيوم برحمتك نستغيث اللهم يا حنان يا منان لا إله إلا أنت سبحانك إنا كنا من الظالمين اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم Oh Allah we thank you for all that you have given us Oh Allah you are our Lord Oh Allah you are the most merciful of the merciful ones You are the most clement and forbearing Oh Allah you are the most gracious. O oh Allah, you are the most loving. O oh Allah, we ask you for your mercy and your blessing and your forgiveness. O oh Allah, turn to us with your forgiveness. Turn to us with your pardon. O oh Allah, make us of those who you have granted your love. O oh Allah, grant us your love and the love of those who love you. O oh Allah, we ask you for good company in this world. O oh Allah, we ask you for good ideas and good thoughts and good ambitions in this world. O oh Allah, allow us to understand the hereafter and prepare for it before our death. O oh Allah, <clears throat> do not allow death to come with us without us being prepared for our death. O oh Allah, we ask that you grant us the kalima la ilaha illallah on our deathbed. You make us of those who have been forgiven, whose good deeds have surpassed their bad deeds. O oh Allah, make us of those whose good deeds go way beyond their bad deeds. O oh Allah, purify our hearts. O oh Allah, make our hearts white and clean. O oh Allah, allow them to allow them to be conducive for your remembrance. O oh Allah, make your obedience beloved to our hearts. O oh Allah, make your disobedience hated in our heart. O oh Allah, we have no one else to turn to. O oh Allah, we are your believers, even the worst of us. When we pray, we pray in front of you. O oh Allah, our Iman is very valuable to us it is the most valuable asset that we have it is the one asset that will help us in the hereafter oh allah all of our other assets will go and will dissipate we will take nothing with us it's only our deeds and our iman that will continue with us into the hereafter oh allah we ask you for protection of this asset oh allah just like we protect our other assets oh allah and if we are unable to protect some of our assets we go and get help to protect them we go and put them in safe for safekeeping. Oh Allah, we want to keep our Iman in safekeeping with you. 
Oh Allah, we owe you everything for our Iman. Oh Allah, we thank you for our Iman. We thank you for everything that you have given us. Make us of the Shakirin. Oh Allah, make us of those who are thankful. Make us of, the, of those who are grateful. Oh Allah, do not make us of the ungrateful ones. Do not make us of those who use your favors and your bounties and don't even remember you. Oh Allah, do not make us of those who have your bounties and who use your bounties to disobey you. Oh Allah, I'm sure we've done something like this. We ask you forgiveness from all of those sins that we have committed by using the very favors that you've given us, by using the same health, by the same using the same wealth that you have given us. Oh Allah, it's only you who are forbearing that could forbear such an iniquity. Oh Allah, we ask you for assistance. Oh Allah, we ask you for refuge. Oh Allah, we ask you for protection against all of the challenges that are out there. Oh Allah, we make tawbah in the morning, but by the evening we've broken it. And we make tawbah in the evening sometimes. But oh Allah, by the morning it is gone. Oh Allah, this Ramadan month have passed. Oh Allah, we ask you to allow the blessings of this month to continue with us. To not allow us to forget it. Not to allow us to become the same that we were before Ramadan. Oh Allah, allow us to be better. Allow us to be better. Oh Allah, allow the blessings and whatever we've done in Ramadan to continue until the next Ramadan. Oh Allah, we ask that you grant us barakah and blessing in all of our permissible deeds that we do, in our work that we do. Oh Allah, in our businesses that we may have. Oh Allah, we ask you for great barakah. We ask you for right, rightness, uprightness. And oh Allah, we ask that you give us the ability to assist others and help others. Oh Allah, accept us all for the service of your deen. Oh Allah, accept us all for the service of your deen. We won't know how you can accept us. Oh Allah, we may not know even where to start. But oh Allah, we have this desire that before we die, oh Allah, that we, are, we do something that will give us recognition in your court. And we live behind the legacy, leave behind the legacy that on the day of judgment will be gathered up among those who will be in your shade and those who will be closest to your messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam and those who will be given jannatul firdaus oh allah these are big things to ask for these are big things to ask for with hardly any deeds to to contribute towards it but oh allah we know that you can turn people around and you can turn people around and guide people oh allah take us by the forelocks and enter us into paradise Oh Allah, we ask that you assist us and you help us and that you make us of those who are grateful to you. Oh Allah, make us of those who are constantly remembering you. Allow us to remember you and be attentive of you, be conscious of you in every deed that we do. Oh Allah, bring humanity back into the human being. Oh Allah, bring back peace to the world. Oh Allah, make us of those who contribute to a positive change. Oh Allah, make us of those who contribute to a positive change. Oh Allah, those, there are among us those who are married. Grant them barakah and blessing in their marriages. There are among us those who have children. Oh Allah, grant them barakah and blessing in their children. There are those who, don't, who are not yet married, who may not have children. Oh Allah, grant them pious and righteous spouses. Grant them pious and righteous progeny. All of us are righteous progeny until the day of judgment, who are a source of gladness of our eyes, both in this world and in the hereafter. Oh Allah, accept from us, accept this little gathering we do for your sake, despite its deficiencies, despite its incompleteness, despite our weaknesses. Oh Allah, we ask not 
to turn any of us away without being forgiven and enlightened. Oh Allah, accept all of us. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun. Wa salamun ala al-mursaleen. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.